The Fake Show Podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, now with two locations, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs, Mr. Antenna, and by Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. Now your host, Jim Tofty. Welcome to the show, everyone. Jenny Boyd's extraordinary life is the stuff of novels and movies. She inspired Donovan's famous song, Jennifer Juniper, at a time when she was a top fashion model alongside her sister, Patty, in Swinging London. When she was a schoolgirl, she met Mick Fleetwood when they were both 16, and he spotted her coming back from school in Notting Hill in London. So much to talk about in Jenny's new memoir titled Jennifer Juniper, a journey beyond the muse, as I have Jenny Boyd on the line right now from London. Jenny, good morning to you. Hopefully you and your family are are doing well and staying healthy in London. Yes, thank you, Jim. We're doing very well. All is fine. That's great to hear, and congratulations on your book. It's very honest. I'm almost all the way through it, and I it was kind of a long process to uh, get to the point where you wrote it, right? Yes. Oh, definitely. It's, it's, taken, it's taken a long time to write it, and um, first of all, I was just writing it to try and make sense of my life, and then gradually you start honing it down and trimming bits off and adding other bits and remembering this and that. So it's been a journey in itself. Just writing it down, just just doing the writing the book. Did you remember more than you thought you would? Because I know I talk to a lot of musicians and actors who say that it was that it can be very therapeutic and and uh, to get through the whole thing. It's very therapeutic, you know, especially where there's some really kind of um, moments that you almost don't want to relive. But of course, because you keep editing and editing and editing, you have to keep reliving them. And in the end, there's a sense of forgiveness yourself to that person whatever um so it is very therapeutic it's um yeah it is I think you were just 16 when you met future husband Mick Fleetwood, and this was sort of during the the swinging London 60s right yes yes it was I was still going to school and um after school uh, my friends and I would meet in the little coffee shop in Notting Hill Gate uh, without knowing that Mick was in that coffee shop and he'd seen me and said to himself, that's the girl I'm going to marry. <laughs> and you actually married him twice. Did he say that he would marry you twice? <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess he didn't have the ball. It wasn't that sharp. <laughs> yeah. Now, obviously, you knew Donovan because you inspired him to write Jennifer Juniper, but you were you were basically just friends with Donovan. Yeah, I think we kissed, you know, but I mean, that was it. And uh, But he was just such a lovely guy to hang with. And because I loved fairies and fairy stories, and he did too, there was a sense that if we got together, we would just disappear into a sort of land of fairy tales, you know. And, uh, and I, was, I felt in need of, um, I don't know, widening my scope and learning more about life and sort of, I don't know, but it was, he was a lovely friend, that's for sure. And I love that song. Even when I hear it today, it just reminds me of the innocence of that time. Me too. It's just such a light and sweet song, and it's so well produced, isn't it? Mm, gorgeous, yeah. When your sister Patty was dating George Harrison, uh, how old were you at that point? I think I must have been maybe about 14, 15. She's three and a half years older than me, so I, I was probably about 14, coming on 15. 
How big of a deal was that for you, let alone your sister, for this to be going on? This had to be really heady stuff. Well, in a way, because I would say it was very exciting um, also because she got a new boyfriend and she asked me if I wanted to come and meet her new boyfriend. And, that you know, obviously it was George. But it was more exciting. Um, I suppose it was more exciting as well, just the fact that she'd got a new boyfriend and I wanted to meet him and... Uh, and also we'd heard about him, but it was still kind of the beat of the young, young uh, age. They weren't quite as famous. They were famous, but they were working on their, their film Help. No, it was well, Hard Day's Night. When you traveled to India, Jenny, with your sister and, and the Beatles to meditate uh, with the Maharishi, did you believe in him and what, what that was about? Had you already been uh, doing transcendental meditation? I'd been doing transcendental meditation for three months before because we all got initiated at the same time and then had to wait till we went to India. So I really got a lot out of the meditation but I wasn't such a huge believer in Maharishi himself. So whereas the others, like George in particular, they, you know, he would sort of um, recite things that Maharishi had said, but I was skeptical about Maharishi. But because I got a lot out of the meditation, I went with it. Right, and I know that you actually interviewed George about the time, I think, the traveling Wilburys were forming. He must have been in a pretty good place at that point. Very good place, and uh, that was fun. He came round to our house you know, when we were living in LA, and um, and I interviewed him for the "It's Not Only Rock and Roll," and he was great. It was just, um, but we I'd often see him when I was in LA, when when we were living in LA, and when he'd come to LA. So um, you know, he's uh, he's always been just just a lovely friend, always like a lovely brother-in-law. Another song that you were involved in was Fleetwood Mac's Jewel-Eyed Judy, which I love that song, and it was just so ahead of its time. You know, Danny Kerwin was fantastic. You yeah. you really should have gotten some sort of a co-writing credit on this, did you? No. <laughs> I think you ought to have a word with them. <laughs> <laughs> and also, there was another song, actually, that Danny Kerwin was one of my poems, um, The Purple Dancer, which became a single after July Judy, and I didn't have credit for that either. It was to do with their manager. He didn't want, um, I think he sort of thought uh, any any resemblance of a woman being involved would uh, make the band so they weren't as cool as just the guys. <laughs> Little, didn't want my name. They brought mixed names. Right. Little did they know, right, with Christine and, and uh, Stevie coming exactly. soon. Right. I know that the story is uh, out there that you and Cynthia Lennon walked in on John and Yoko at one point. Yes, we were coming back from Greece. We'd gone to Greece. After India, we went to Greece. Um, magic Alex, not so magic, Alex. And right. And me and Cynthia all went to Greece together, spent a few days there. And then when uh, Alex and I... That brought her back, there she was. There they both were. And they'd obviously been tripping over the last few days. But it was extraordinary because then she obviously disappeared somehow. And then uh, John was in the kitchen with Cynthia and he was just sort of lying on the sofa and had his feet up. On, and he was just wiggling his toes towards me saying, hello, Jenny. You know, <laughs> like a naughty boy who's been caught by his mother. <laughs> so, um, I know. 
his hand in the cookie jar, as it were, I guess. Definitely, definitely. So I, you and I have something in common in that both of our fathers were World War II bomber pilots. And I know that we also both had kind of trouble relationships with our fathers, but you were able to reconcile that and reconnect before he ended up dying. Exactly. And that was such a big deal to me because I'd spent, you know, the early years, I just thought, I don't even have a father. or And I think there's a lot of undercurrents of anger about all of this. Um, then uh, when I did write to him and uh, because his wife had said, um, you know, she didn't want anything to do with us or for their kids to know that even we were existed, um, it was tough. But um, I kept at it, and uh, it became, as you say, the most incredible, um, uh, you know, luckily just before he died, we had a connection. And he gave me all his gifts and his bombing book, you know, the, with all the uh, bombing raids before his accident. Um, right. The guinea pig in a thing called the guinea pig club. I don't know if you heard of that before. The soldiers from World War II who had been badly burned um went to this place called the guinea pig club and that's where they had plastic surgery because they were the first ones they were the, the guinea pigs well i've got his little guinea pig badge just little things like that oh that's incredible well jenny boyd's book jennifer juniper is available at amazon.com and you can even pick up an autographed copy at the so nice to talk to you and, and good luck with the book thank you very much jim very nice to talk to you too You know, we didn't have enough time to discuss some of the other things that are in the book, like she ran the Beatles' first retail Apple store and her near-death experience, but it's all in the book at Amazon.com. That finishes this episode of The Fake Show Podcast. I'm Jim Tofty in Las Vegas. I'll see you back here next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.